And, and if that's our mentality, we will be that, that person that ends up living a full life and working and never being satisfied and never really enjoying it to the fullest because they never arrived. Because once they arrived, the goal was out in the future. Welcome to 33 Tangents, a weekly podcast featuring a rotating panel of co-hosts that all work together in the same company, but live in different areas of the world. The discussions cover a wide variety of topics from digital analytics to working remotely to current happenings in business and technology. Our regular day-to-day conversations often go off in various directions, and the goal of this podcast is to share our ideas and find new ways to engage with others. Damn it, you said it right before I hit record. <laughs> well, I'm trying to keep uh, keep our non-E. Trying to balance out Brian with all his, uh, all his swearing. I think as long as we don't drop like the real serious ones and we keep a couple of the others to a minimum, you know, we'll, we'll keep the E rating. I hear you. And it's funny, with podcasts, you know, we get E rating means good. It's E for everyone. Whereas, you know, typically music, E means explicit. Right. Yeah. How's my skin tone here? Looks good to me. I spent um, I spent six hours on Saturday, 98 degrees outside, um, cleaning out my hot tub. Oh, nice. Doing like a full on, like taking everything apart, like scrubbing it, like sucking every drop of water out of it. And mm-hmm. now I don't want anybody to get in it. <laughs> even yourself or is it like i cleaned it it's no i can get just it for me it's just for well it, it's just for me because you know it's it's like when when you have kids and they don't own things and they don't put in the work to uh maintain things and maybe this is a lot like digital analytics implementations when you don't put in the work to actually build it and maintain it your level mm-hmm. of care for it is just not where it should be right and and so it's not that they're they're not well-meaning but they just don't, you know, take the extra five minutes to shower off before getting in that I would take because I know how hard it was to get the, the thing to, to look so beautifully clean. So, yeah. Yeah. Although well, I did I have it. an idea to come up with a solar shower to put like a, you know, like those camping showers you can hang from your Jeep or whatever that. No, heat I've up with this. So just like a, a gravity fed shower that you will heat up with the sun. I'm thinking about installing one of those out on the deck and, and making the kids like shower off out there before getting in. Mm-hmm. Now it, it makes total sense. So like at the shore, pretty much all the houses have some form of outdoor shower. Yeah. And some are much nicer than others. The house that we rented two weeks ago, you would come in from the outside into the shower, but then there was a door on the other side that led you mm. to the garage, which then took you right upstairs. So it made it just that much nicer. So you can go shower outside after you get back from the beach, you know, yeah. wrap yourself in a towel, and then you're in the house to to go to go up and and, and get dressed. And so, like my my in laws' place at, at the shore definitely needs some work. And so every time uh, Suzanne and I are down there, we're sitting in the backyard and we're dreaming. Oh, we do this, we do that. <laughs> That's one of the things we talk about. Is yeah you know, some form of outdoor shower because the sand is a killer. Yeah. On the yeah. It seems like a popular, 
a popular thing. I've been binge watching uh, House Hunters uh, Beach Edition, where they're looking at beach houses, and it's mm-hmm. entirely unhealthy for me to to watch, but it's a a dream. I'm like, oh, it'd be so amazing to have a beach house. So I envy you that <laughs> you have access to the beach house. But they all like that's one of the first things they talk about as a as a value add for the house is like, oh, it's got this great outdoor shower, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, because I mean, like, even if you just hose yourself off, you know, with the hose, like hose yeah. off your, your your feet, your arms, your legs, you're still tracking sand in, and yeah. it doesn't matter how new the plumbing in the house is; it eventually just wrecks havoc on it. Can I can I tell you something gross? And I don't know where this came from, and I'm I'm super interested now. So when my grandparents passed. Um, we, we spent a lot of time uh, redoing the house to get it ready for, for sale. And one of the things I did was pulled up all the carpets um, mm-hmm. and there were beautiful, beautiful original hardwood floors underneath it. But I found probably a bucket full of sand in the entryway underneath the carpet. Mm-hmm. I'm like, we're nowhere near a beach or anything. Where does this come from? But my grandpa was, did, did do a lot of fishing. So I'm wondering if like as he went fishing and he was on along the lake shore or whatever, he picked up a lot of sand, came in the front door and just deposited right there near the mm-hmm. front door. But there was so much sand underneath that carpet. It just blew me away. Yeah, no, totally. And like where at my in-laws house, like the sand piles up in the driveway because that's where the hose is and everybody hoses stuff mm-hmm. off. And again, I, I go into like, you know, blue sky dreaming mode this past week. And I'm like, oh, what if we move that? You know, we put a hose in on the other side of the house and then we install some form of French drain coming down, you know, mm. from the side of the house. We just have, you know, stones like like a, like a, like a stone pad in the one section. You ha- you could hose this the the stuff off, and then the sand, you know, the, the sand stuff, the beach chair, the umbrella, all of that stuff, and leave it there to dry. And then this way, the sand isn't piling up in the driveway. So you and I had a conversation about one of the dreams you had about buying some property, larger property, maybe out in the suburbs or a little away from the city so that you had some land to work on projects. I'm pretty sure you could find a lifetime of projects at the beach house as well. (laughs) So yeah, you could be kept, you could be kept occupied for a long time with all the enhancements you could make. Yeah. I'm not going to lie The you know, my in-laws place definitely needs some love Mm -hmm. and it's kind of like, um, it just that house alone, you know, depending upon what my in-laws decide they want to do with it. You know, they've been talking about passing it down to my wife and, and her brother uh, from from my mother-in-law. I'm like, you know, we've got a lifetime of, of work right there, too, mm-hmm. uh, because uh, my wife's grandfather bought it in 73 oh, and wow. he bought it in 73. And then I, I it was it was already it wasn't a new build even then. So it, it, it's been around for quite some time. So there, there's a lot of stuff that needs to be done to it. So yeah, I, yeah. I go into that. Like if if money, time, resources were not around, <laughs> what would I do? Yeah. Well, it's it's awesome to think about. And I and I've shared with you how how amazing it is and how good it makes me feel to see you working from there. Because there, when you uh, when we originally started or when you originally joined on. Um, you shared quite a few photos of working from the the beach house. I'm like, this is, this is what it's about, right? Like, this is awesome. Yeah. And now, now you have your son taking, taking mm-hmm. the kid down there. I'm sure you're making some amazing memories. Yeah, totally. So like I'm taking off tomorrow and we're going to go down and just do like a, a beach day. Like nice. my, my, my sister and brother-in-law wanted to get back down and do 
a beach day with the kids. So we're like, well, we'll get up in the morning. It's it's an hour, hour and 20 minutes, depending on traffic. Yeah. So let's get up early tomorrow morning. We'll go down. We'll go to the beach. You know, hang out there for a day. This one pizza place on Thursdays has like $8 pies. So we'll mm. order some pizzas for dinner. And then we'll quick run him back to the house. Just you know, run the baby back to the house. Wash him off. Put him in PJs and then drive home. And he'll sleep on the way home. And then, let's, be on, let's be honest. It's an excuse to go get another bucket full of that taffy, right? Uh, I think I'm going <laughs> to skip it this time, but it's not going to be our last time. So we also have plans next week. <clears throat> um, we're going to go down to a long weekend. So we'll go down Wednesday night nice. next week uh, after I'm done work. And then I'll work there Thursday and Friday while she goes and does stuff with uh, with the kiddo. And then like we'll do like a late beach day or, or something like that. Very cool. Good stuff. I'm glad you're enjoying it. Yep. Trying trying to make the the, the, the best of it. <laughs> yeah. No, we all are. Yeah. We all are. Um, but I think like it's funny, like, you know, your 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 initial, you know, uh, discussion point about like the maintenance you were doing with the hot tub and then mm. you know, me talking about kind of like the stuff I would love to do do to to, to the beach house, it, it goes right in line with what you know, I wanted to talk about today more of like a just a general topic that that does relate to work. Um, so I'm calling this episode, or at least tentatively titling it, "Enjoying the Journey." Yeah. And we've touched on this from time to time, but I really wanted to focus on on this today. So I'm going to start with with a quote um, that you've you've mentioned a couple times. So I want to give the full quote, and then you know, just dive in from there. So the quote is, it's uh, Robert Piercig and uh, his book, The Zen and the Mo Let me say that again. Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. Um, so the quote goes, uh, mountains should be climbed with as little effort as possible and without desire. The reality of your own nature should determine the speed. If you become restless, speed up. If you become winded, slow down. You climb the mountain in an equilibrium between restlessness and exhaustion. Then, when you're no longer thinking ahead, each footstep isn't just a means to an end, but a unique event in itself. This leaf has jagged edges. This rock looks loose. From this place, the snow is less visible, even though closer. Uh, these are things you should notice anyway. To live only for some future goal is shallow. It's the sides of the mountain which sustain life, not the top. Here's where things grow. You made me happy just reading it. <laughs> you put me in my you put me in my happy place. Yep, and, and it's a great quote. It, it it it's a great quote because um, if you then take a look at you know today's hustle culture, whether yeah. it's on Twitter, on LinkedIn, on Facebook, wherever on social media, you know you've got you know we're, we're told we've got to be constantly moving, and and not just constantly moving, but moving at this frenetic pace to get somewhere. We've got to be striving to reach a goal, you know, whether it's a promotion, a raise, a new house, or housework that's done. Um, I've got all these things I want to do to the house. I can't wait until all of that's done. Um, you could look at it from from any any perspective, um, and we need to be constantly striving for that, or else someone will get it. You know, we'll yeah. lose out. Um, we also feel uh, we also feel this in that. Um, you know, it, it implies that we'll be happy as soon as we get to that destination. Happiness won't happen until until we're there, until we have achieved those things. Um, we we also feel this in the tasks with work. 
know, I, I do this to myself every once in a while. If I just stay up late tonight, tomorrow night, I'll bang out this project. Then I'll have some time to uh, breathe and plan for, for the next thing I want to do. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, for me, and what I've learned over the years is the fallacy with that mindset. Every time it comes up, it's it's not something that you just conquer and it goes away. It's something that will creep back in. It, it, it's a bad habit that will never be satisfied with what we have. And that on the work side of things, work will always be there. If yeah. Even if you stay up late these next two nights and get something done, there's something that's going to come in, you know, to take its place to, to, to be done. So what is driving the, the, this hustle culture? That, that, that we're seeing and what do people find attractive about it? Oh my gosh, what a loaded question. And I, and I, 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 I started that off because I, I feel it's going to send us off in a couple of different directions. Yeah. And we, we could, we could go all over the place. And I think we just let the conversation go where it, it does. And it's a good reminder for what we talked about setting up the podcast and what are we on episode one, seven, 17 or one eighteen. It's crazy. But we talked about in the beginning that our, our, you know, I think one of the things I said to you was, aren't there enough podcasts out there already? <laughs> and, and one of the things that we talked about as being refreshing was just, uh, I don't know if authenticity is the right word, but we wanted something not overly produced. And we wanted it to be like, if you wandered into a bar or a restaurant, you heard a table full of friends talking this is what their conversation would be like. So it's a good reminder not for us not to get too uh, caught up on, on doing that. And to the point, enjoying the journey, right? Like having the conversation and letting it flow where it, it may. So uh, a, a couple things. And before I get to, you know, what's driving it and why do people find it enjoyable? Um, the, the quote you read really is an amazing quote and it encapsulates the the opposite of that the opposite of that that hustle whole hustle culture man neither one of us can talk this morning um and it, if you haven't read it I, I would highly recommend you read zen and the art of motorcycle maintenance it's it's one of the most influential books that i've ever read i think i'm on my eighth reading of it um i i can't stop reading it because every time i read it i get something new from it and it, it changes um, but it's also one of those books, at least if you're in our generation cohort, um, it's one of those books that was a high school reading assignment. And I don't think I ever took it serious in high school. And I think a lot of people have it. Ah, oh, it's one of those high school books you have to read, like, you know, it, the, the list of other classics that we really didn't want to get into. But if you can get over that mindset and you haven't read the, the, the book, I, I strongly encourage you to do so. Um, for, for me, it was definitely life changing. As far as what's driving this, um, I, I think it's, it's built into our reward systems. And uh, I think part of it is, is laziness from a management perspective. And part of it is a, well, this is just how it's always worked. So let's just keep the engine moving forward. Um, and, and what I mean by that is we're, we're often rewarded for the appearance of our effort. If you if you think back through your experience in, in the corporate world, I'm sure I'm sure you can find experiences and I'm sure mine are not unique where you saw team members or maybe you were told outright that we're we're giving you this raise, you're, we're rewarding you, we're we're promoting that person for quote how hard they work. 
Mm -hmm. and, and so we reward effort, but more so we were, we reward the appearance of effort. Uh, because it's the, it's the easiest thing I, I, I believe for us to, to manage against. And I think you and I have had this conversation in, in the past, and we may have even used the analogy of, uh, the NFL quarterback that as they mature and become better, their effort seems to become almost effortless, right? Like the game slows down Tom Brady, right? Like sitting back there in the pocket, almost effortlessly just picking out receivers and dropping the ball right to them without even trying. It's not fair. He's trying a great deal. His effort is to the extreme, but from an outward appearance, he's, it seems calm. It seems effortless. And in the corporate world, we, we don't tend to, um, we don't tend to reward that. At least that's been my experience. We, we don't tend to reward the effortless. We, we tend to reward the, the effort and the appearance of, of busyness. And, you know, I often go back to my first job out of college because it was the seed that now blooms into what you see today. And I've, I've referenced that that job being very miserable at times. And my coping method was to keep a journal of all my observations and things that I would do differently. And one of the things that I, I talked quite extensively about was this concept of rewarding the appearance of busyness, that the high performers in my organization were not necessarily the most efficient, were not necessarily creating the most value for the company, were not necessarily the, the smartest people on the team, but if you were to come in as an outside consultant and just observe the team, you'd say, wow, these two people are doing a lot of work because they gave the appearance of being busy. It's, <laughs> have, we, have I shared this clip? It's the George Costanza um, theory um, where he's like, if you're, if you're always walking around fast looking like, <sighs> Oh, it's like people think you're doing something really important and you're busy, right? And, and yeah, I've, I've seen that before. Yeah, have you seen that? I can't remember the episode. I'll have to look it up and send you a link so you can link it up. In was the, that when he was working for Steinbrenner and the Yankees? I, I can't remember. I, it may it may have been. Um, I'll have to find the exact episode. But his whole theory was if you you know look like you're busy and always stressed out, then people think that you must be doing a, a lot of important work. And, and that, that was my experience from the corporate world is that most managers, that's what was rewarded, the, the appearance of, of busyness. And so that is just going to naturally build that in. If, 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 we, think about, if we think about the reward cycle, we're, we're, we're conditioned for it a lot starting in elementary school, to be honest. You know, we have this carrot and stick mentality that's built into us that if we reward you then you're going to work if you don't get rewarded you're going to get you know whipped and that and that's how our, our system works so that's been ingrained to us from an early age and then it's been reinforced and as we go out into the workforce and we see well if we're working hard if we're sweating if we're putting in a lot of effort we're going to get rewarded with bonuses pay increases uh, I love how in the UK they call it pay rise, pay rises, um, you know, promotions. We're going to get all of those things. If we don't look busy, what happens? What happens if we don't get busy? If we don't look busy? So we're, we're probably labeled as just an average 
or maybe worse, we're, we're an underperformer, but there's something subtle that happens. And I'm wondering if, if you've seen it, if you don't look busy, what happens? Um, I mean, a couple different things have happened, you know, o over my career. Um, you, you don't get the prime projects. Mm -hmm. You get the stuff that other people don't want. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and again, I think it depended upon the, the company and what they were doing. Cause I've, I've worked in two major industries, one being finance for the first part and now digital analytics and, and, and parts of e-commerce for, for, for the second part. Um, you know, in, in, in the first part, like, you know, you got the crappy projects, you got the ones that weren't challenging, that weren't high profile, that weren't high visibility. Um, you didn't get the chance to work with the, the, the high level, uh, clients you, you were seen as, um, yeah, you, you're just seen as, as treading water. So give them the secondary or the, the, the low end work that that's not risky. Um, mm -hmm. and then some people love the, the, the ability to travel, to, to go do things. Um, so th that was also say like a secondary benefit of seeing like that, that you're out there, you're hustling. Let's, let, let, let's send them off to clients. Let's put them in front of the client. Yeah. I, I agree. And and the thing I would add to it is you tend to get more of it, more of the mediocre crappy work. So, well, mm -hmm. Jim doesn't look busy. He must be out. Uh, he must have more time to take on more work. Let's throw some more on him. Right. And, and it's really an unfair uh, evaluation. So, you know, I, I, I don't know how to solve it. I don't know why it happens, but I believe it's just the way our system is structured. And again, it starts in early schooling that we're kind of taught that that mentality and it's reinforced in the workforce we have an opportunity to break that cycle through management but that's going to require people to invest time in honing their skills as managers and not being lazy and not falling into these these logical traps that that's a fallacy right it's like just because i look like i'm working hard i'm not necessarily producing a lot of effort so we, we need to change the paradigm that we're incenting and rewarding people on uh, and that will change behavior because right now we're, we're incenting on that and it's it's absolutely influencing behavior to the point of and you see this a lot in it organizations where it uh it attracts first responders and, mm -hmm. and what i mean by that is people that get a high by by responding to emergencies and if, and, and if that's the mentality, then everything becomes an emergency and everything, it looks like we're scrambling and working really, really hard. So we're, we're reinforcing that by rewarding that behavior. And it tends to be this vicious cycle until ultimately you, you, you crash and burn out of it, right? There's, there's only so much of being at that heightened state you can take. And, and this is a lot of consulting, sadly. Um, and big, big consulting organizations know this and they know that they're going to burn out their, their personnel, but it doesn't matter because there's going to be a fresh batch coming in that they can churn and burn in a couple years and maximize their effort. Um, it's simply not a sustainable way to work and it's simply not a sustainable way to live. Going back to the quote, it's, it's the sides of the mountain that, that bring life. Did, did I ever tell you the story about the the IT services company I interviewed for maybe 12, 13 years ago? You may have, but it's not ringing a bell. 
Yeah, so went to interview for this local technology services company. And like I I come to the interview wearing my suit because that's what I did. And but then everybody else in the company is wearing like business formal attire. And now I I could see maybe that being a policy if you're client facing. You know, again, I could argue for it. I could argue against it, but that's aside. But this is people in the office. You know, the, the, these are people sitting at desks wearing wearing suits, and that, that 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 really just struck me as odd. And after the interview, you know, I started thinking some of the things that they asked, and then seeing that, and I'm like, it, it's all about the image. It's mm-hmm. all about the image of of looking professional. It's all the the image of looking polished. You know, are they actually doing, you know, good quality polished work? That that, yeah. that 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 actually put a lot of doubt in my head. And 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 most of it is hollow, to your point. Mm-hmm. And and I think people feel like they're fulfilled, but but most people live. What's the uh, is it the the quote from Walden about living a life of quiet desperation? I'll have to find the quote. Uh, but most people are not happy, right? Like we put on this image that it's like, oh, I finally made it. I've got the corner office. I have the job title. I have everything that's supposed to make me fulfilled and happy. And I'm empty and miserable because it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's all a lie, right? It's, we've been fighting to get to that destination, that endpoint, And we forgot to enjoy the, the journey along the way. Again, it's, it's not making it to that, that destination. That's the important thing. Right, that's a dead zone, um, and and interesting timing of a documentary I watched yesterday. It's it's the process where we become stronger, where we mature, where we actually enjoy living. I, I was watching a documentary. I I've discovered a treasure trove of documentaries on Amazon Prime that I've never seen before. I binge watched like three or four yesterday. I just like I'm not going to do anything today. Just being lazy and I'm watching. Mm-hmm. Documentaries. And, and I found some really great ones. One of them, and I've watched a ton of documentaries on mountaineering, um, and specifically Everest, and I'm surprised I hadn't seen this one, um, but a fairly common, unfortunately, tale of summit fever, of we're living our life to reach the goal of the summit and not the journey of getting there. And sadly, this was a, a pretty common tale of, of that in, resulting in and someone not returning from the summit, right? They mm-hmm. reach the destination, but they they never come back. Um, and it was it was it was really sad to to watch because it's such such an accomplished mountaineer, and and you could see all of the preparation and the journey going into it. But he felt like he was a failure because he had tried to summit four or five times before and never made it. And it's like if I don't make it, then I'm unfulfilled. I'm hollow. I'm empty. I, you know, I haven't accomplished anything rather than looking at it as look how far I've come. Look at how much I've learned. Like how many climbers I've helped along the way. He couldn't see that. He couldn't see through that and said, I have to be at this destination in order to feel fulfilled. And he did it and it cost him his life. And I think a lot of, a lot of people unfortunately end up going down that path and whether it's mental or physical, you see a lot of people put themselves in very, very bad places to achieve some future goal. Again, kind of tying it back to the quote, 
you know, my goal is to be a CEO or my goal is to have the corner office or to be, you know, work for a fortune 50 company in the C-suite, they make it and they can enjoy it when they get there because now they've like destroyed their, their mental or physical health to get there. Or what they don't realize is, is they're addicted to the pursuit. And when they get there, the pursuit is over. It's very possible. Yeah. You know, and I know it, it's slightly different from, from, from the quote that we, we kicked off with, but it, it's the, the addiction to the desire to want it. So now that I get here, like there's nothing to energize me, you know, yeah. and it's, it, it's, it's almost like a drug in that case. So the, the idea of having a goal becomes a drug and it becomes, I don't want to say self-fulfilling prophecy, but it becomes this vicious cycle where I need something that I get to that, that big goal that I wanted. Now I need to get to the next, what's the next bigger thing. So yeah, like it's, yeah. And they don't actually enjoy it. Yeah. And that's, that's always an interesting piece of this conversation. Um, because, and, and a lot of my thought is very, um, Eastern influenced from schools of Buddhism and Zen Buddhism and Taoism. Uh, a lot of my thoughts and beliefs are very influenced by that. And, and when I talk to people that are more influenced by kind of Western culture, one of the things they come up with, and it's a, it's a very valid question is then how do you become amazing at anything? If, if you don't have the desire, the drive. Right. If you don't have that killer instinct to push for something to be to be great. And it's a, it's a very fair point. But I think it's misunderstood that by maintaining the center, by maintaining some sense of balance and calmness, by um, choosing to enjoy and find prosperity in the journey, that it means that you're not driven. You're not motivated. I, I think it couldn't be any further from from the truth. It's just a matter of your mindset. What, what, what is your mindset? Is it, am I driven for that future goal? Is that's what driving me or is the process what's motivating me to become better and better? And, and I think it's important to, to note that, that difference because it is, and it does seem, it does seem very likely that if you follow that school, that you're not motivated, you're not driven. And, and I think it's important to dismiss that fact that that's, that's definitely not, not the case. Um, and, and we've talked about it. I don't know if we've talked about it on the podcast, but uh, I know we've talked about it internally. One of my focuses this year has been, and we've used the term being deliberate. And, and even going back into last year, we've used the term being deliberate. We want to do things deliberately. And, and this year, I very much uh, emphasize being deliberate in the things that I wanted to do. And being deliberate to me is enjoying the sides of the mountain. Right, the journey and how I get there rather than rushing ahead to say I, I achieved some point it's how can I just enjoy the process and specifically with work um, and I have my my timer here cool 33 sticks Pomodoro timer um, is I wanted to be more deliberate in how I worked and by doing that not racing ahead to check off a list of things of, I completed this analysis, I launched this test, I published this analytics property, but to enjoy the process of, of work. Um, mm -hmm. And it's a very kind of Zen way of thinking about things. And, and there's, there's a lot of quotes about it. Um, and there's quotes of, I, I, I don't know what the original quote is, but I've taken and stolen the original quote. Uh, quote, and I talk a lot about my routine, looking at my 
coffee machine there about how long it takes me to make a single cup of coffee in the morning, like 10 to 15 minutes to make a cup of coffee. And if the goal was just to make a cup of coffee, I'm, I'm failing miserably, right? I could do that much quicker. There's much quicker ways to do that. And I found for me, it was less about reaching some future goal, which was the cup of coffee and more about enjoying the process of making the coffee. And so the quote, the Zen quote is, and I've changed it for the word coffee, but is um, there are two ways to make coffee. The first is to make coffee in order to have coffee, AKA live for some future goal. Mm -hmm. um, and the second way is to make coffee, to make coffee, to enjoy the sides of the mountains, right? Enjoy the process. And you can fill in the blank, right? Um, Hilaz talks a lot about doing the dishes this way deliberately. She's like, I'm not doing the dishes to do the dishes, to get the dishes done. I'm doing the dishes to do the dishes. And it's almost like this contemplative meditative process where in the end you do the dishes, mm -hmm. but in there you completed the doing the dishes, but it was the journey of actually doing the dishes um, where, where the enjoyment and the fulfillment can be found. So um, it, it's been a really big focus of, of mine this year. And I found it to be an amazing shift in mindset. So whether it's spending six hours cleaning the hot tub or spending 15 minutes every morning making a cup of coffee or, or even simple things like making the bed, my focus has shifted from the future goal of having the bed made to I'm making the bed to make the bed. Mm -hmm. Cleaning yeah, the hot tub, clean the hot tub. Yeah. And, you know, you made me think of something that happened yesterday to, to start to tie it in into work is... So right now we're working with a longtime client on, on a new platform implementation. And we've been doing discovery. I've started working on, on, on the technical instrumentation of it, the, the documentation needed for it, plus also some of the, the on-site data collection. And one of, the things, one of the things that's led to great success with this client is, is we've done stuff in piecemeal. Like we, we've, we've published certain things in piecemeal so you could start to see it coming together. Um, like the way you would build a house, you know, mm -hmm. the house just doesn't show up one day. You know, you have the, you, you lay the foundation, you know, after you have the blueprints done and then you move forward from there. So yesterday I'm on the phone with the program manager and then one of our, our, our key stakeholders there and I'm walking them through what I've already done and showing them some of the data that's already showing up in the system and she stops, she goes, this is great to see. She's great to see that the wheels are already turning and we're starting to see this stuff coming in. And, you know, we are making progress toward it. And it, it, the actual visual of showing them that, yes, there's there's things in motion, not just saying that there's in motion, that you could actually see it coming in. It, it, it helps energize the conversation. Yeah, and I think it's important to have that conversation again. Um, it is a completely different mindset and something that is completely foreign to what we've been conditioned for. And I think it's very fair to be critical of it and think to your point, like, are we saying we, we don't have goals? We don't have milestones. We don't have things we're working towards. We don't have outcomes. And the answer of course is, is no, it's just, where do we choose to put our, our focus? And, and in fact, what you find is that it actually creates more structure it actually creates more process and being deliberate in that process um, creates more um, detail to, to getting done and accomplishing what you want to do. It's just in a much more meaningful, deliberate way. And, and again, the, the important thing is just a change in, in mindset. 
is our mindset to run as head, run ahead as fast as we can to reach some goal? Or is our mindset to go about things deliberately? I, I guess that's the classic tortoise and the hare story, right? Like exactly. Which path is it? Um, and just because the, the tortoise takes a more deliberate, slow route doesn't mean there isn't a goal and doesn't mean there's an outcome. In fact, what we find a lot of times is it's, it's counterintuitive that the one that goes slow and deliberate often gets there much quicker, accomplishes more. Right. And damn it, I'm trying not to say right. Um, we have all these little stories, right? We have the tortoise and the hare that we talk to kids about and we tell that story, but, but that mindset is definitely not prevalent. It, it, at least in Western culture, it's just not prevalent. We're, we are much more the hare. You know, we, we don't have time to sit back and think about and be deliberate in our plan. We just got to go. We got to go. We got to run. We got to get here. We got to do the top of the mountain. We got to go now. And, and we think that that's the best way to go. History and results tell us otherwise, yet we continue to reward it. Coming back to work, we continue to every year reward the hair. Even though the analysis, the results, the outcomes show that your better bet is on, on the tortoise. It's, it's hard to break that, that mentality. Um, I, I don't know how you do it at large scale. Uh, the way we've chosen to do things is influence micro, right? We have micro influences. We can, we can control what we do as a company. And then maybe that spills over into the companies we work with, or as, uh, our team members reach a level of maturity and go out into the world. So John, you know, moves on from 33, six, maybe he takes a little bit about what we learned about working and he injects that in his new company, uh, true digital. Right. So that's what we've chosen to do uh, because otherwise it's difficult. How do you, how do you make change in something that's so ingrained in how we work? And I'm sure everyone listening to this at some point is nodding their head saying, yeah, I've seen that in my company. I've seen the, I've seen the hair rewarded in my company. Yeah. It drives me nuts when this guy over here that doesn't get anything done is constantly getting bonuses. Cause he's, he's doing the George Costanza. So much going on, <laughs> you know? And honestly, as you're talking, uh, it's not to be a pessimist. Um, I'm usually the optimist, but it, and so this is not being pessimistic. I don't think you can change it at large scale. I don't think you can change it within an enterprise because, and we've talked about this before, is, is in those organizations, management comes down to the lowest common denominator. What is the easiest way to manage to? What is the easiest way to motivate um, the largest group of people here? Um, because I also think when we're talking about enjoying the journey, I think when you're looking at the personalities involved, I think a lot of those people that want to enjoy the journey are also have that intrinsic built in initiative to, to go out and they, they have that, that motivation to do it themselves. They don't need the external motivation. So, and this is going to, uh, yeah. I, I know this is coming across as a very just broad statement. It's not as easy as it sounds. It's much harder than it sounds. It, mm. It's going out and starting your own thing. If you're working for, for a large enterprise, I, I think you're going to be stuck with this. So I think you ultimately have one of two options. You either start your own or you find a small organization mm that has those same goals, those same, 
the same mentality, the same style that you're, you know, that meshes with you and go work with them. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to keep the theme of, as we started this off with Robert um, Persick's quote from Zen on the Art of Motor Cycle Maintenance, I'm going to pull another one from the book um, because it aligns with exactly what you're, you're saying where he's, he's uh, teasing out some of those same ideas that, that you've been going through. And, and, um, he's struggling with a lot of the things that we're talking about here and he's coming to the same conclusions that this is overwhelming. Like, how can I, how can I change this system that seems to be working so counterintuitively to what we want to create? And, and his quote is the place to improve the world is first in one's own heart and head and hands and then work outward from there. And, and I think that that's the same conclusion we're coming to is like, we, we can't change this big machine, but we can start with ourselves then we can start to work outward and start to influence, you know, and, and, and if a lot of people do that, you create a movement, you create momentum and, and it can change. But if, if we were to sit back and say, how do we get everyone to enjoy the journey? It's like, we can't, you can't tackle yeah. this. It's, it's, it's too big. So I, I would say for, for those listening, if this is something that resonates, you start with yourself and you start, making some some decisions with with me and work um i started using the pomodoro technique specifically as a means to enjoy the journey to enjoy the work and and stop focusing on the destination and and a future goal in the summit and start focusing on the sides of the mountain um and i've even done it in my personal life and i i i'm sad about the timing but it will all work out. But I, I started making some purchases and some decisions to um, do more travel by car. And um, not only travel by car, but to enjoy the journey, the sides of the mountain. Um, because I, I've been doing a lot of uh, road trips, specifically to Southern California, but it's always been a, let's see how quick I can get from A to B, right? Mm -hmm. We have to get from Salt Lake City to San Diego in a certain amount of time. And that's the goal. The future goal is to arrive in San Diego. I'm like, that sucks. Like this sucks. I don't sitting in the car for nine hours driving across the desert sucks. Um, but I remember as a kid, I took a lot of road trips with my grandparents and I very rarely remember the destination, but I have a lot of fond memories of the little side ventures, adventures along the way. And, and so that's one of the things that I want to start doing is taking road trips, not to get from my house to some other location, but to deliberately go there and enjoy the sides of the mountain along the way and the little adventures along the way. Um, so for me, again, it's, it's, it's a mindset and it's permeating everything from, from working to traveling to making a 15 minute cup of coffee it's a mindset. And, and, and for me, it's become much more fulfilling, much more rewarding, much more calm. And again, counterintuitively, I feel like I'm getting way more done. I feel like I'm accomplishing more than I ever have in my life. Um, and that includes side projects. So doing lots of things with cooking, playing the piano more, doing more reading, I just feel like I'm doing more with less and it's not simple, but it sounds simple of creating a mind shift to say, I'm not going to live for some future goal. I'm not going to race up the mountain to get to the summit. In fact, maybe I never get to the summit and I don't care because I know there's a lot of summits 
along the way to get there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and, you know, you, you made me think of like, you know, the, the common story we, we hear is, you know, this person works their entire life for retirement. They retire yeah. and they're, they, they, they're dead shortly thereafter. Yeah. And or, so they're in such poor physical condition that they can't enjoy the rewards of it or yeah. yeah, we hear it all the time. Yeah. I mean, I've been dwelling on it a bit because um, I just turned 40 a couple months ago. So I'm kind of, you know, it's, it's milestone birthday. You start to think about it. And that's exactly what happened to my grandfather, uh, my, my mother's father. Um, you know, he worked three jobs to, to, to feed his kids, you know, to, you know, to, to support the family. My mom was one of nine and um, he retired. He finally retired. And 18 months later, he was dead. You know, yeah. he, he, he caught the, you know, he developed a, a, a very um, a malignant strain of, of liver cancer. And by the time they got it, by the time any symptoms showed up, it was it was just way too late. Yeah. Um, and I mean that that's always something that stuck with me, but it it, it really resurfaced in the last couple of months. Thinking about that, and you know, yes, having a plan for when that time, you know, when retirement comes, but not being solely focused on that. Yeah, I I, I couldn't agree more. And and again, I think it's important that we note. I don't want people thinking, oh, Jim and Jason aren't driven. Oh, they don't want to do great things. Oh, 33. Uh, look at my to-do list. <laughs> that, 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 you know, it, wrong. It, it's not that at all, right? Um, it's it's the fact that great things are accomplished and you can do it in such a way that you enjoy being in the moment, that we're not living for that future goal. And again, it, it's this counterintuitive notion that you end up achieving it anyway um without having it be your your major drive or or focus and unless you've seen it unless you lived it I, i'm sure it sounds nonsensical coming out of my mouth right it's like well how can you achieve greatness how can you achieve all these things if you don't make that your drive if that's not your focus to get up every morning and just you know put everything into it and just block everything else out and not enjoy it just strive 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 but history shows that it works and in your yeah, own personal life. Yeah. What is greatness? Ooh. It's all relative, right? It is it is very relative. It is very relative. And and for me, I think it's it's living your best life, living a life of enjoyment. For that, you know, I, and and I have to remind myself that all the time because we all fall into this trap. You know, I, I like sit at home and so uh, I'm I have a buddy that's a, a real estate agent here in in utah um and they just posted some some photos to their social account um and some video of this new development uh in the city next to mine called alpine which is already home to like it's an exclusive city to live in mm -hmm. um but this this new development that they were touring is exclusivity in exclusive right like like this is a gated community inside of a gated community these they, so they went and looked at these lots that are up on the side of the mountain. You can oversee the whole valley. It's in pine. It's gated. The lots start at like $5 million just for the lot, let alone the, the home. So we're talking $25, $30 million homes and, and gorgeous homes. There's a couple already built up there. I'm like, I suck. I got to work harder to you know get a better house or blah, blah, blah. And then, and then I sit out on my back deck and I'm like, 
people probably think that of me that maybe I'm snobby and I have like this amazing view and I'm like, I've got it. Like, I don't need that. Like I've got something amazing already. And we all have that. And again, I want to be really careful not to send the message of the, we, you shouldn't be driven. You shouldn't want to try for more. You shouldn't want to whatever. Right. But it's really important for us to see what we have. And regardless if we have something better or different in the future, we shouldn't diminish the fact that what we have right now is great. And what we have right now, we can have extreme enjoyment in. And, and, and by not living in the moment, by only living for that future goal, we're missing out on all of these amazing opportunities that are ours, that we've already accomplished, we've already earned, and we're choosing not to celebrate it. And, and I think that goes to your point of, as far as like reaching the corner office, reaching the C-suite. Now what? Right? And it, it's like that we have to fight for something more. Um, we've already got it. We already, we've already got what we, we, we need to enjoy. We should allow ourselves the time to celebrate that while we're moving on to something new. We're always in flux. I think what you're trying to say is, is we're not saying don't be unmotivated. Uh, it's, it's instead it's be grateful. You know, ha have a level of gratitude for, for what you have, enjoy what you have. And that will, and this is definitely going to sound very, you know, motivational speakery. Um, <laughs> and that, that's a, that's a new term I'm using. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, when you do that, you attract more of it. Yeah. I, I totally sound like, you know, a motivational speaker, but I mean, that, that, right that, that's the truth. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I'm not, I'm, I'm not talking about the hokey, you know, anything hokey there, but it's, it, it's glass half whole versus glass half empty. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's absolutely true. It's not motivational speaker nonsense. It's, it's rooted in being present in, in, in being mindful. Um, and in order to do that, we have to be grounded in the present moment. And, and we deserve that. We deserve to be able to enjoy this, this moment, because if we don't, we're always in the future to your point. If our goal is, I want to be in the C-suite and we get there, our new goal is in the future. We never reach it. We never reach anywhere to be able to enjoy where we're at. And, and if that's our mentality, we will be that, that person that ends up living a full life and working and never being satisfied and never really enjoying it to the fullest because they never arrived. Because once they arrived, the goal was out in the future. It shifted. Some future goal is, is hollow. So be, be in the moment. And, and again, you, you deserve it. Everyone deserves it. We, we've worked tremendously hard. We should enjoy where, where we're at while yeah. we're continuing to strive for, for more, whatever that more is in, in your life. Mm -hmm. You know, enjoy watching the house being built. Yeah. There's, there's so much amazing fulfillment in doing the dishes, yeah. making the coffee, exactly. building the house. Yeah, and, and to tie wiring the analytics that, implementation. That's exactly what I was going to say. Like, you know, you enjoying that, and then you know, working with your your stakeholder, your client, whatever, to to enjoy that process as well. It's yeah. not just another item to check on on a project plan. It's yeah. look what we have now. Yeah, absolutely. And and again, it, it will feel it will feel awkward. It will feel counterintuitive, 
I would ask you to trust me, but I would ask you to trust yourself to just put it to the test mm -hmm. that this produces more results, often produces more results quickly without putting the focus on running ahead, the future goal, the, you know, be, be the tortoise. You're going to get more done in less time, feel better about it, enjoy the process. And it's just a much healthier, better way to live, but you've got to figure it out for yourselves. I mean, we can read all the, we can read all the Zen and the art of motorcycle maintenance books. We can read all the children's stories about the, the hare and the tortoise, but eventually you have to discover it for, for yourself to believe it. And it takes work and practice, you know, just it, it takes a lifetime of practice. Yes. Which because you the minute you think you have it solved. Yeah. But the, the minute you think you have it solved again, you know, get, getting back to the paradox of this is the minute you have, you, it's not about getting it solved and then moving on to the next thing. It's, it, it's a constant habit because if you're, if you're not careful, those old habits then start to resurface. And that's what I love about Eastern thought is that everything is built on that, that paradox. Right. And if you, if you look at Zen Buddhism, you know, the Zen that can be named, if you think you've achieved Zen, you haven't, mm -hmm. right? Like it's this, it's just this, this paradox. And it, it is a lifetime of, of learning to figure that out. But that learning should also be enjoyed, like learning how to learn, learning how to work, mm -hmm. like learning how to be present and enjoy the moment should be present mindedness that you can enjoy as well. So mm -hmm. agreed. And I can't think of a better way to, to wrap it up. So I guess it's a fun it's conversation. Kind of, no, yeah, it's totally I, fun. The, the, this is something I'm, I'm deeply passionate about. And, and, and again, I, I want to start the conversation. I want more people to have the conversation because again, especially in, in the Western world, the things that we're talking about are so counterintuitive and we think, how can you achieve greatness? How can you achieve the most out of your life? If you're not running ahead, if that's not your primary focus, but, Mm -hmm. If you study enough, if you look and, and read enough, you'll see that the, the the tortoise usually wins most of the time. So yep, cool. Be and yep. and be like the be like the dude. Be like the dude. <laughs> yeah, the dude abides. So we will end on that. So thanks, man. Yeah, good chat. Yep, good chat. Catch you later. See ya. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of 33 Tangents. If you enjoyed what you heard, please rate and review the show on your favorite podcast aggregator so others can find us. If you would like to reach us, you can do so by emailing podcast at 33sticks.com or on the web at 33tangents.33sticks.com. 33 Tangents is a production of 33 Sticks, an analytics boutique.